गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरिनाम प्रभु की जाए सो वेलकम एवरीवन वी वेंट डू गो इन वाटर वाज इट सन आउट ऑन इट हैड ऑलरेडी द लोअर लेवल द सन वाज देयर वाज स्टिल कोल्ड लाइक नाइस क्लेंजिंग सो टुनाइट वी आर गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट बेथिंग आल्सो discussing from shikshastakam the last discussion we had we talked about faith and how chaitanya mahaprabhu in the first verse of shikshastakam mentions seven different effects of krishna sankirtan all of which are extraordinary and successively progressively more and more wonderful and the idea behind doing that in the first verse is to give an, an outline of what's to come in as much as the subsequent verses discuss those different effects or glories of sankirtan wonderful effects uh, successively and also for the purpose of awakening some faith this chanting will do this it will do this it will do this. the more you hear these things you think well, that's compelling and uh, i'd like to participate in that so we discussed at some length the nature of faith and how mahaprabhu sought to awaken it and why there is good reason to have faith in the chanting of the holy name and tonight then we'll continue the discussion beginning with the first of those seven effects if you will of chanting which as i say they come in 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 an order so This is the first one he mentions. This he begins the verse with this. This is the first effect. Cheto darpana marjanam. Cheto darpana marjanam. Cheto means. Uh, it means um, that by which we are aware of ourselves. This is particularly developed in the world in in human species. You know that fellow, famous French philosopher. What did he say? Rene Descartes, famous philosopher of times gone by. He said cogito ergo sum. That sounds more like Latin and French, but those were Catholic times. So when Catholicism ruled the world, so to speak, from the Vatican and uh, Rene Descartes said cogito ergo sum it means I think therefore I am. So he reasoned that because in human society we become aware of ourselves just like in the lower species of life or the, let's say the less complex species of life like plants and animals their sense of their being the fact that they exist is very limited in comparison to that which we find in human society and what would be an example of that, that we could cite to as, as evidence for that well the whole edifice of uh the school of philosophy this is for humans <laughs> they're philosophizing and making meaning finding meaning searching for meaning about the existence that they perceive that they have that they are they can think about it so this makes human life as i've often said a very special time we should think what special time we live in it's not the 21st century per se in all of the what's going on around us and, and and so forth that catches our attention 
and what makes us think sometimes we live in important times, but it's the fact, rather, that we are in human dress, in human form. That is valuable, important. Of course, it's only as valuable as we use the time, the opportunity, well. So we shall try to do that in conjunction with the, the descent of, of divinity, to combine these two. The sense that we exist, and then a very high idea of the purpose for which we exist, which comes from above. So anyway, that organ, if you will, that something heart, mind, cheta, chit, within us that enables us to be aware of ourselves that's more developed in human society. This is what Mahaprabhu is speaking when he says cheto. And then he says darpanam. Darpanam means uh, mira, darpana. Mira and marjanam. Marjanam means to cleanse. So the first effect of this chanting is that that mirror of our awareness becomes cleansed. If you take a mirror and you put it next to something, then it will reflect an image. So our organ of awareness, if you will, our cheta, has been placed in relation to matter. Mm-hmm. And an image is reflecting on that mirror of ourself. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said what? That the first effect of this chanting is that image reflected on the mirror that we've identified with. It'll be cleansed away. He said this is like dust on the mirror of the mind, the mirror of the of our sense of awareness. So he doesn't think very highly of our sense of awareness that is a product of our connection with matter, and we're very much preoccupied with that. So, what he's talking about here is a very deep kind of cleansing, if you will. It is said, you know, you shouldn't go to the holy places just to bathe in the sacred river, (laughs) but to take a bath by hearing from saintly persons who happen to live in such beautiful places, and who seek to live in peaceful places and so forth hearing from them. So this is a deeper kind of bath. Not that we shouldn't take bath before hearing them and have some physical cleanliness and so forth, but this is the real bath. So Mahabharu Chaitanya Dev is saying that this Sankirtan, it cleanses the heart in a very deep way. Not merely, let us say, in a moral or religious way, but in a metaphysical sense, existential sense. Not merely in terms of a religious orientation, but a but uh, from the point of view of of Vedanta. When we speak of religion, we're speaking more of something that we factor into our human life to make it better. Because by factoring God into our life, our life will be happier, more prosperous. But when we speak of Vedanta, Vedanta in Hinduism, of course, means the, the end, the conclusion, of the religious texts. We come from a religious orientation to life to a spiritual orientation to life. And so Vedanta is like the what's what? What's up? What are you? Why are you? Where are you? So this is a little more than adding something to your life, to your sense of what you think you are, making it as refined and pure and making yourself as good of a human 
as you can be. This is good, but Mahaprabhu says he wants something deeper. That would be a moral cleansing, a religious cleansing. And we can start there, but we should understand what Mahaprabhu was talking about here. The first effect of Sankirtan is that it goes further than that. It would be a good start, perhaps, to do away with the, the negative elements in our lives that, for that matter, will not foster the kind of uh, thinking that enables us to participate consciously and aware and with attention in chanting the holy name. That's a good idea. But, again, the point here is that he's talking about something deeper. Therefore, Thakur Bhaktivinoda, in commenting on this verse, has said, this chetadapanamarjanam, this cleansing of the heart, will bring up awareness of five things. Five things. Ishwar, God. In a basic sense, it means the Paramatma, the Lord of the world, overseer of the world, general sense of God. This is the basic sense of God. Just like it was told by Sripad um, Bon Maharaj, God brother Srila Prabhupada, disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, that uh, once he was in Germany and he was invited to a drama, a religious drama held by the Christians. And so he went. And in the drama, God was in the balcony. And so he had to part. Every now and then in the drama, he would say, bless thee, you know, or condemn thee, or something like that. He would come out. But the main stage was down below. So after the drama, they asked Bonamarsh what he thought about it. He said, well, no, but in your conception, religious conception, you've kept God in the balcony as God who every now and then says something about human life. You did good, you did bad, something like that. But in our religion, he's on the front, on the center stage. That's a very different idea, if you, a developed idea, I should say, from God the judger uh, and kind of father figure to Yashodananda. God becomes the son of Yashoda. How much more and you, you'll realize it in time, if you haven't already. Does the father think of the son, then the son think of the father? <laughs> if you don't know yet, when you get a son or a daughter, you'll realize what I'm saying. The intensity, in other words. So, we're not criticizing the Christian conception. It's a beautiful conception, but Vaishnavism is a, is a development of that idea to bring God into your life. And just using this vatsalya bhakti, this motherly affection that's uh, possible to experience in, is, is a good example. So, Paramatma anyway, Ishwar, Bhaktivinotaku says, this is one of the five things that comes to bear as the heart is cleansed. So Paramatma means the general conception of God, kind of like the Christians think of, overseeing the world. And then, we should say, next thing, Jiva, the individual soul. So we have a relationship with this Paramatma. We come from the Paramatma. Paramatma is a particular manifestation of Godhead. Bhagavatam says there are three, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Sometimes the example is given, if a, if a train comes from a distance, the first thing, if you know what a train is, you'll hear the whistle at a distance, you go, a train is coming. So if someone doesn't go, they'll think a train is just wait a little longer, and then there's a light that comes on the track. 
person who waits a little longer thinks, oh, the train is a light. That's what it is. The person who waits a little longer sees the train pulls up, it stops, people get off, people get on. So, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagawan, and these different ways of viewing ultimate reality are relative to the way in which the re- ultimate reality is approached. So there are approaches through introspection, through yoga, and through bhakti, which will reveal Brahman aspect of Godhead, Paramatman aspect of Godhead, or Bhagwan aspect of Godhead, respectively. So this um, so this place for the Paramatma is my point. Another way of explaining this is that, think about it for a moment, but you can exist, but you don't necessarily have to be aware of it, or your existence doesn't necessarily have to be joyful. But if existence is by nature joyful, then it must exist, and it must be aware of itself. So Bhagwan, God, is all joyful, so he must exist, and he must be aware of himself. The existence and the awareness... This is like the Paramatma and Brahman features, fully manifest. And Bhagwan is the full expression of, of joy. So, at any rate, the Paramatma, the overseer of, of existence, whole material existence, we have our origins in him. Ishwar and Jiva. So the, what Bhakti Minotaka is saying, the five things are Ishwar, Jiva, time, karma, and material nature, prakriti. Ishwar, Jiva, prakriti, kala, and karma. This means sambandagyan. Where you are, who you are, what you are, where you come from. He's saying this is the kind of result that will come from cleansing the heart. So I say it's it's a deep kind of cleansing. It's a metaphysical cleansing. It's a cleansing of the image of the very self that you have altogether. Not just adjusting that image of the self and making it nicer, less exploitive, which is the very nature of that image of our self that comes on the mirror of our consciousness when we are in relation to matter. In other words, we're consciousness, but we see ourselves as matter. And when we see ourselves as matter, a problem arises. What is the problem? Needs. Needs. So desires manifest. Desires are not a comfortable thing. That's what makes you move around. <laughs> That's what makes you do everything. It's moving the whole the whole existence. Desire, needs. The mind is agitated for want of something. So the, all these desires come relative to the fact that matter, well, any particular manifestation of it is not going to endure, or for it to endure for however long it does, it has, it has to be attended to. So, it is this very, uh, this uh, desire we, we are made of. We are our desires, and we are a, we are a father because we want to have a, a son. Tomorrow is Father's Day, so we can think about it. <laughs> and, uh, I wanted to have a son. I might have wanted to have a daughter. Maybe the case. So I'm a father in relation to that desire, and so on. All our attachments our desires. Our my is our I. 
think you have to think about it. But what I want, two letters, my, the small letters, but to make up a whole world of I that appears to be very big and important, but really isn't. It's here today and gone tomorrow. What I want, what my desires consist of, is what I am. I'm a bundle of my desires. So when we unravel these desires, then what happens is, is we, this is the cleansing of the heart. We are in what's called Mishrasattva, a mixed existence. An existence where we are kind of mixed up with matter. We don't really become matter. Like if you were to mix water and orange juice, the two go together. But if you were to mix water and oil, I'd probably give an example. The two go together, but they're separate at the same time. So we're flowing on the river of material existence, like oil, with it. But we're different from it. But we're mixed up with it. Not in the way that it can't be separated, is the point. But nonetheless, mixed up with matter. Oh, it's a mixed existence. Mishrasattva. And it's all based on this, uh, this kind of sea of, of desire, and I'm drowning in that. So when he says, it means this kind of metaphysical cleansing, cleansing the whole picture of your existence. So it's, this is, therefore, it's an erasing of desire. You think, well, but it's, why, I, why would I want to get rid of my desires? Well, you have to analyze them. How happy are you? Pretty happy, pretty good. Things are going pretty good. I'm getting good grades, or you know, got a good prospect for a job, and got a new boyfriend. And, but these things uh, could change at any time. Time is another factor. Bhaktivinoda says we should become aware of through this cleansing of the heart that the chanting will bring about first. Ishwar, Jiva, that I have my origin in the Paramatma, and time is a factor. And time is, is a lot of things. It's the duration of the cosmic manifestation. Mm-hmm. How long is it? Or how long is material existence? It's, it's an anadi. No, there's no beginning to material existence. So I come from Paramatma, and I have no beginning, and the world has no beginning. It's hard to adjust these things in the mind. It tells us that, that there's something more than what I can reason about it fits in my in my head as to the nature of existence. I come from the Paramatma. He is the Lord who oversees matter and has been doing so since time immemorial, since time without beginning. And I've been here since time without beginning. People think, well, that sounds like a pretty raw deal. Mm-hmm. But again, I mentioned there are different manifestations of Godhead. Bhagwan is another one. There are some souls that manifest from Bhagwan. Some manifest from Paramatma. What is the difference? The ones who manifest from Paramatma, they get the favor of Bhagwan. It is in relation to them that he can show favoritism. We'll think, well, this isn't fair. We're here. They're, they're in a spiritual world, other souls. They were never here. We're here. Some people think, Where's the f- there's favoritism. No, don't think like that. Paramatma has to exist, as we've already explained. So... Souls happen to come from him. These are just facts. As far as favoritism, it's shown to you. Bhagwan comes within the world and shows favor. To who? To us. They don't need a favor. 
They're always there. <laughs> we need a favor. And it shows that compassion. So, becoming aware of these things. Ishwar, Prakriti, what is the material nature? It's, it's really, like I say, it's a, it's a metaphysical cleansing of who am I, what am I, where am I, what is matter? This is a big thing. Scientists are spending billions of dollars to understand what is matter. Looking inside the atom and exploring. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying, by chanting Hare Krishna in Namastan Kirtan, you will understand what is Prakriti. That is incredible. So much money could have been saved on scientific research. <laughs> you think that sounds a bit hard to believe. Mahaprabhu is saying this. And he says, this is only the beginning. This is the first effect. You can understand Prakriti. What is matter? And what are you, the jiva? What is Ishpur? What is time? Time, as I said, the duration of the cosmic manifestation, that's one way of looking at it. The scriptures talk about four different kinds of time, practically. There's the time that's the counting of different seconds and so forth. Bhagavatam speaks of this. Time that is the influence of Bhagavan, a power of Bhagavan that causes the maturation of things, of matter. There's another kind of time. Time in relation to the jiva's progress towards Bhagavan. That's time three. And time four, the leela of Bhagavan, which we can enter into time four. So it's a big subject, time. A huge thing. Einstein has figured out one equation about time, didn't he? Scientists are dealing with that too. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if you understand time, you will transcend certain influences of time. They're trying to be understood in materialism. And so Jiva, Ishwar, Kal, time, Prakriti, and Karma. Four of these are said to be eternal. Ishwar, Jiva, Prakriti, in the sense that it's always here, although it manifests and becomes unmanifest. And time, and Karma is the fifth. Karma is the one that uh, doesn't have to exist forever. It can come to an end. It is our, our kind of uh, sentence, our, our bondage here. The result of acting in relation to that erroneous image of the self appearing on the mirror of awareness, it, uh, the, the reaction to that, the binding. So all of these things, he says, these come to bear with the cleansing of the heart. So see what, what the kind of cleansing is. As I say, it's not just a moral cleansing or religious cleansing of being a good person. Even the Bible says being a good person is not enough. Doesn't it say something like that? Good works are not enough, something like that. You have to have grace. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. yeah. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying. This Sankirtan, Golokher Premodhan. It is Premodhan. This is a wealth of grace. This is what it means. Premodhan means grace. It means literally means like treasure of wealth or charity. Dan means charity, wealth, giving, prem. Charity of love is the treasure of Goloka. And Goloka premo dhan hori nam sankirtan. He's giving the, the wealth of prem through sankirtan. And this is the first effect. This is important to know because this is the first effect which is the effect that can be accomplished through other spiritual disciplines, if bhakti is factored in to some extent. Without factoring bhakti in, there's no mukti. Scriptures are emphatic on this. Without bhakti, there's no mukti, there's no release 
from material existence, some kind of bhakti, some bhakti has to be there. There can be introspection, the path of jnana, or there can be mystic yoga. These paths are aimed at mukti, some type of mukti. But unless some bhakti is factored in, can't be had. Mukti has no existence independent of bhakti. Mukti resides where? At the feet of bhakti. She has no existence without bhakti. That means there's no mukti without bhakti. What else does that mean to us? This is a big topic, but uh, scripture is emphatic on this point. What does that mean? If there's no mukti without bhakti... There's no bhakti without mukti. Uh, well, that's true too. That in one sense, that, that mukti is included within bhakti. But what it but what it but but what it means is that there's no mukti without bhakti. That mukti is subordinate to bhakti. End of a huge you know discussion that's gone on for centuries in, in Indian philosophy: bhakti versus jnana, and so forth. No, mukti is like, uh, like I say, attached and residing at the feet of, of bhakti. That's why you can't get it by tapasya. You can't get it by yoga, merely, alone, by gyan, or by any other method, sophisticated as it may be, because she's residing at the feet of bhakti. She's not interested in those things. So if you go after those things, she's not going to be interested in you. If you become interested in bhakti, then she becomes interested in you. And if you want then, if you want her alone, then with little bhakti you can get that. But the wise person will think, well, bhakti alone, there's bhakti. And this is what Mahaprabhu is teaching. So his chetadarpa and marginam that he speaks of, this cleansing of the heart, while it brings us to the point that other disciplines with a little bhakti can bring us to, a metaphysical cleansing of the heart. Yoga can do, jnana, introspection can do, if a little bhakti is factored in, after all, even in a generic sense, you have to have devotion. You have to exercise devotion in anything you do to have success. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you're going to be a yogi, at least you've got to be devoted to your practice, right? Day in and day out. If you're going to be, again, you've got to be devoted to studying the scriptures. You've got to do it religiously, as they say. This is bhakti. <laughs> you see, so without bhakti, there's no success in anything, material or spiritual. So again, the wise person will think, well, why should I emphasize bhakti then? This is what will become come from that. And this is what Mahaprabhu is teaching, that while the first installment effect that comes from chanting is cleansing the heart, it doesn't stop there, because the way in which the cleansing of the heart goes on through Sankirtan is such that it, it's connecting us with something higher than merely cleansing the heart. Just like, I've given an example before, if there are two people, let's say you're the boss in a company that has a 10-story building and you live on a 10th suite, 10th floor suite, and let's say you are a doorman in a 100-story building next door, you're opening the door for people. So you can look down from your 10-story building and your big armchair at that doorman down there in the 100-story building and think, you know, he's nowhere. But because he's connected to a 100-story building, he could work his way up. 
And one day he could be an executive in the 100th story, look down at you as if you were a doorman only. So what we're connected with, what we're associated with, is part of understanding who we are, at least in potential. So by connection with Harinam, which is, this is Krishna himself, and Nam Sankirtan, which is the wealth of Prem descending from Goloka, we have connection with Goloka. It's such a high thing. And so, while the first effect is cleansing the heart, because the connection is higher than, takes us higher than that, we don't get waylaid there, we don't get stuck there. Whereas if we took another practice aimed at cleansing the heart and affording us, what is cleansing the heart then again? Removing this false sense of identity that we have entirely. And it's just heavy stuff. <laughs> getting involved, you know, this is heavy stuff. Your whole personality is all Maya. You're all your desires, your wants, everything. This is Vedanta. You're just like taking the whole thing apart, dissecting it. What it, what is that? What is that sense of you? Here today and gone tomorrow, a bundle of desires. You see yourself as this. Somebody with other desires sees you differently. What are you? Your desires change. Mm-hmm. One minute you desire, you know, you you you're somebody's boyfriend, somebody it's somebody's girlfriend, then they run away, and you run away, and you're somebody else's, and your identity's always changing and moving, no wonder you're, we're feeling a little, life's disconcerting, hmm? can't get a grip, but we know that we exist, but we can't get a grip on what we are, and you can't get a grip on what you are, how can you act in such a way as to, as to be fulfilled? You sense that life's about being happy, and it is. The very desire that we have, if we trace it out, Metaphysically, we come to, to the understanding that the self is a unit of joy, of happiness. So, I mean, what, what are desires? They're only really twofold. The pursuit of something that I think makes me happy, that's called raga, and the avoidance of things that, that get in the way of what I think will make me happy, that's called dvesha, raga dvesha. And there's many varieties within that, but we seek happiness and we avoid obstacles to our happiness or unhappiness. This is what we're doing. So we are, implication is, we are about pleasure. So Vedanta traces that out and says, actually the self is a unit of happiness, has a capacity to be happy. We're trying to be something, we don't know we are something. We're trying to be happy, we don't know we are happy. If we would just erase the false image that we've created of ourselves through association with matter, which, however nice we make it, however good, is not good enough to make me fully happy. So to get to the bottom of things, this is, this is the idea. So there may be methods that, with a little bhakti that can bring us to that clear conception of self, that I'm not matter, and erases that dust on the mirror of our awareness. But Mahaprabhu was saying, Again, this is only the first effect of the chanting. It goes further than that. By other processes like Nishkam Karma Yoga, who knows what else, with a little devotion factored in, we can arrive at that, that kind of cleansing. There's not a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of ideas out there, how you could spend your time, and a lot of religious ideas, a lot of spiritual ideas. But unless those ideologies are ego-effacing, they have no real spiritual currency.
oftentimes they're ego enhancing even so this is the real ABCs of spiritual life death to the ego after all our life our ego material ego centered life is about killing anyway right you have to kill to live your sense of self in order to maintain it which we're all struggling to do in order to do that we have to be on the prowl we have to kill to live it's unavoidable to maintain your sense of material sense of self you have to hurt others you have to take it's unavoidable that's the nature of the beast therefore we live in a plane of hunters and hunted even to breathe you have to kill even if you're a breatharian vegetarian doesn't matter right people say well you could kill plants yes that's right they say they're breatharians yogis say they're also killing so many microbes you light a fire you kill we're taking from the environment in order to live but what is the result everyone dies <laughs> no one lives no one's sense of self endures people remember something about some people great people who are givers those are the ones that are remembered the most praised or big takers they're remembered for how not to be the people who are really glorified in human society and really remembered favorably are people that gave, who made some sacrifice. Think about it. Read the history books and see. And so the secret is giving is living. Giving is living. But I'm taking in order to live. To the extent I stop taking, I live. My memory lives on. Because I was a giver. And I remembered, and my picture is put there, and the statue was made for me. He sacrificed, and we had the nation, and, 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 and so forth. And he, he did, Gandhi did, uh, you know, sacrificed, and and there was independence, and so there was there memorials to him, and so forth. So even in a even in the material sense, you can understand giving is living. You will live on in perpetuity by giving. So give means you have to kill. If you have to kill, if you kill her anyway, then why don't you kill yourself? Hmm? Beast that you are. Hmm? Taker, exploiter that we are. Open season on the, on the ego, hunting season. This is what uh, all genuine spiritual disciplines are about. They are not merely, and I, and I distinguish here between religious disciplines and spiritual disciplines. Religious disciplines may advocate a moral kind of cleansing of the heart, remove the bad things that are overtly bad, and do the good things. And that's good, but not good enough. <laughs> you're still material, and you're still going to be a taker of some sort. It's a good direction to go in, but not if, not if your ideology stops there. Go further. Then, from a religious orientation to a spiritual orientation to life. And there are a number of disciplines. And as I say, if they're ego-effacing, then, then they're genuine. And if they, as they must, factor some kind of, some bhakti in there, then they'll be effective to a point. But what point? If they're merely ego-effacing and cleansing the, the mirror of our consciousness from that false image of self, 
that makes me a taker, then we stop there. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, this, this is only the beginning. From Mishra existence, uh, a, a, a mixed existence with matter, it's confusing. Where It's really confusing because what is in my pursuit of pleasure, I become unhappy. I interact with sense objects to get pleasure, and they make me unhappy in the long run. They disappoint me. You know, in, the, in the simple language of the Gita, Krishna says what? Dukalayam ashashvatam. He says, he sums up the material world. It's miserable and temporary. So if someone says, well, I don't think it's miserable, I like it. And Krishna says, well, guess what? How much do you like it? I like it a lot. But well, you can't keep it. And how much do you like it? If you really like something, and I tell you you can't keep it, then what? Does that become miserable? Yeah. <laughs> the more you like it, the worse it is. Wake up. In two words, he summed up the whole of material existence. So this is a disconcerting existence. We're mixed up with something that was that's, has nothing to do with us. You're mixed up with with the wrong crowd. They have nothing to do with you. You come from somewhere else, son. Come out from there. You know what are you running with these people for? You know, it's wrong with the wrong crowd. You know, something like that. Hmm? You have to tell your daughters, you're at the wrong crowd. <laughs> Watch out. You come from a better family. You know? So we come from a better place. Hmm? We come from the Paramatma. We shouldn't be mixed up with matter. And so, from a mixed existence to a pure existence, this is the Chetodarpana Marjanam. This is the cleansing of the mirror of the mind. What is that pure existence then? I'm not matter. So, then what happens? Well, my existence is an enduring one rather than a temporary one that I was trying to maintain frantically, fruitlessly, in vain. The whole world is showing me it isn't going to happen. Read the writing on the wall. You can't maintain it. Still, we're after it like anything. Now, obviously, in spiritual practice, we have to maintain our body. and so We should understand this is not the goal of life, just to maintain this material sense of identity. Moving the identity of being a devotee and maintain yourself materially for that purpose. Be healthy so that you can participate in such things and so forth. Maintain yourself with that outlook in mind. Not as an end unto itself. That's Forget it. It's written everywhere. It will never happen. You cannot maintain it. With the rising and the setting of the sun, Bhagavatam says poetically, Everyone's life is being taken away. What could speak more loudly to us than the sun? Moving as it appears to me across the sky every day. You can't keep it. You can't remain. It's telling you. That's what it's saying. We don't, we don't listen to that. We're not seeing the world. The world's talking to us. You see, the environment is speaking to us. And it's friendly. It's telling us a good thing. We're resisting it. We're resisting Everything, if you sit, and you, the world will talk to you. But we don't want to hear. We plug our ears. Ignorance is bliss, we think. <laughs> <laughs> and off we go. Ignorance. That is avidya. That is the whole basis of anartha, false values. That is this material sense of self. So we can come to cleanse that away. So what will we have then? We'll have an existence, but not a temporary existence. One that endures. And so we have, we have sat. We'll have chit. We have knowledge. 
What kind of knowledge? Different kind of knowledge in the material world. What is the knowledge of the material world? The knowledge of the material world is how to pursue your material life better. Now, all actions are informed by knowledge. So that's really ignorance if you look at it. It can't be maintained. Uh, and we, ha we have existence, we have knowledge, and we have happiness in material existence too. But what is that happiness? As I said earlier, look carefully at it, it turns to distress. Just like in a dream, you, you meet a beautiful girl and you embrace her and she turns into a monster. Ah. And you, you wake up, oh! That was only a dream. No, it's real life too. <laughs> That's how it works. So when we cleanse this heart, as Mahaprabhu was saying through this chanting, when the chanting cleanses the heart, I should say, we don't do it. The chanting does it. The Holy Name does it. And this is our method. We invite Krishna into the heart. We open our heart. Surrender. Come in and let him cleanse the heart. How extraordinary is that? This is Bhagwan himself, not Paramatma, but Bhagwan, who's in Leela with gopis and lost there, forgetting himself. In the form of his name, which is non different than, he enters our heart as a sweeper. sweeper. Which is faint to think. He'd become a sweeper? In India, you know, they have a caste called sweepers, they sweep the streets. They pick up the cow dung, put it on their head, and carry it, and so forth, like Gurnishta does every afternoon. You put it on, you don't put it on your head. Either. Good. Yeah. My head's a good tool for carrying. Better to have some cow dung on your head than a lot of the things that people are entertaining between their ears. You know, we think that in Varnashram, the Brahman is the best thing. Nobody wants to be a Brahman. No. False idea. Everybody should, should understand. The Vaishnava should understand. Oh. We want to be sudras. What? You say, what? You ever go to India? Have you been to India? And then you have all these rickshaw wallas who drive the rickshaws. And they all have a seeker like this. You think, oh, they're all the Vaishnavas. No, they're all sudras. This is the mark of a sudra. This is what this is. It means das. So, hmm? Yeah. The Brahmin name, the name, the names of the Varnashram and Manasamita. Brahmas are Sharma, the Kshatriyas are Varma, the Vaishas are Gupta, hidden. For you I make no profit. That's, it. That's Vaishas. <laughs> and the name for the, for the uh, Sudras is Das. What do we want to become? Das. das. Whose example should we follow? The Sudra. The Ramanas wants to think. You have to think too much, then why should I serve? I want it to be proved to my intelligence that I'm worthy of an object of giving myself and, and so forth. Sudra is the ideal. Vaishnavas will think like that. After all, it's Gantunya Bhakti. You don't you don't need all kind of knowledge. Bhakti means you serve Bhagwan, that's all. Serve the Guru. That's all. That's it. Do you want no Raghunuga Bhakti? It's Guru Bhakti. That's all. Guru is a representative of of, of Golok. What is Rag Bhakti? Follow in the footsteps of the, of the inhabitants of Golok. Golok comes to you in the form of the Guru. Serve the Guru. Follow in the footsteps. Serve him or her. Give your all in all. This is... Anybody can do. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence. Like a sudra. Just does what he's told. This is glorious. The Vaishnavism is a very funny religion. It really turns the whole religious world on its head. <laughs> so, 
this this is, means Krishna becomes a sweeper, sudra, like those people carrying the cow dung on their head, uh, sweeping the street. When we were in India one year, there was a there was a, a strike. The street, the sweepers went on strike. The garbage was piling up everywhere in Vrindavan, and, and we couldn't tolerate it near our ashram, so we went to pick it up. And, you know, don't do that. You know, they, they stop us because you know they were having a. You know, we would have been strike breakers or something like that. Yeah. You know, so labor, labor <laughs> dispute. <laughs> anyway, so Krishna, Krishna, who is Krishna? The supreme enjoyer. So tender, his skin is described that if you touch it with a leaf, it changes colors. You touch your skin, like that, maybe it changes color. Touch it with a leaf, on it changes changes color. He goes in the heart, and his dirty heart too, as a sweeper. Krishna, now, what heart does he go into? Anyone, practically. Now there's so much talk about judgment. He should be this, that, that is, is, is in the Vaishnava community. Go to Vaishnava community, should be judged, this fellow. It's a big, big issue going on. It's, it, it's not about judgment, this is about mercy. That uh, Christ said, who has not sinned, throw the first stone. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Krishna comes into the heart, he cleanses. No matter what you've done in the past, if we see the effect of a cleansed heart, we think that Krishna's been, has, his work has not been interfered with. Krishna's come as a sweeper and we're fighting with him. No, get out. Not now. Not now. Not now. <laughs> Store's closed. Come back later. <laughs> no. But I just want to sweep. No, not right now. Later. Still waiting patiently. Okay, for any little opportunity. He's there. <laughs> this is, Krishna has taken this position in the form of the name. Therefore, Sanatana Goswami says, in this Brigad Bhagavatamrita, this name is my life, my soul, my everything. People think, well, yeah, if you've got a tongue. Sananda says, no, not like that. If you have no tongue, you can't chant. You can hear the holy name. What be of no ears? He says, you can touch it in print. You put your finger on it in print. You can carry a banner with your arms and your legs. It has a hunting arm. He said, this way, with all, practically all the senses, you can serve the Holy Name. He's so generous. He's coming to us like it probably say, you take one step towards Krishna, you take ten steps towards you. This is Harinam. You should be embarrassed to think, Harinam has come to me, offering himself like this. This is Krishna. Harinam is Krishna himself. You think of the leader of Krishna, the wonderful thing you hear about Krishna. He's come in the form of those syllables. This is an incredible uh, idea. And taking the place of the sweeper. Let him do his work, would you? Give him a chance. That's all you have to do. Let him do his work. No effort, practically, on your part. You're making so many efforts to keep him out. That's the problem. To limit him. So when we come to this heart cleansing, beginning stage, then what? Then we have an existence that's, that's enduring. We have knowledge that's Real knowledge is not ignorance. We have happiness that doesn't turn into misery. So we have Sudha Sattva, from Mishra Sattva, mixed existence, to Shuddha Sattva, pure existence. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on from there. That Harinam being the wealth of Goloka. What did Mahaprabhu say in the next stanza? He says, 
Nam Nama Kari Bahudanija Sarva Shakti. That his name is filled with Shakti. Swarup Shakti. This comes in the heart. There's the Maya Shakti, material nature. There's, a, there's us, the Jiva Shakti. If we become cleansed of the Maya, then we can live eternally. We can have knowledge of, of the self's difference from matter and the joy that that affords, the relief that that affords. I can live forever, no fear. But, as Prabhupada explains, there's three primary energies of Krishna, right? Material nature, Maya Shakti, Jiva Shakti, and Surup Shakti. Prabhupada called the external, marginal, and the internal energy. So through Harinam we come in touch with the internal energy. Not just the, something that's removing the external energy and leaving us cleansed of that, but the inviting, accommodating, affectionate embrace of the Surup Shakti. And then what happens? Is our capacity, we come from Mishra Sattva, mixed existence, to Shuddha Sattva, pure existence, to Vishuddha Sattva. Here Sattva means existence. Super, super pure existence. Where our capacity to know, our capacity to, to exist, and our capacity to, to taste happiness has just gone way up beyond what you could have done by yourself. By the factoring Bhagwan into your life, you get Sambit, Sandini. What is the Sandini? What kind of existence is that? What kind of what? What is the place, the abode of Bhagwan? Incredible! This is all manifest by Baldev, Balram. Amazing! But you hear the descriptions. Chintamani Dam, Chintamani Prakrasadmasu, Kalupabiksha, Lakshavitation. This is poetry. Just trying to talk about it. Every every step is a dance, every word is a song. And Jiva Goswami said, what must be the singing there then? What must be the dancing there? Oh my goodness. This is just poetry trying to talk to us about a consciousness, a plane of consciousness, where Bhagwan's leela is being performed. We'd be invited there. We're playing here in the drama of our material life, and it's a loser at the box office. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> it's a bad investment. And we've invested millions in that. And no one's showing up except you. <laughs> Maybe you get a couple other people to cooperate. And, yeah, you're okay sometimes, you know. Not all the time. She thinks you're okay, real, all the time for a while, or you think she is, and then after a while, yeah, sometimes you're okay. I can deal with you. <laughs> you're the only one that keeps tuned in. This. this is great. This <laughs> is a great show, isn't it? No, it's not that great. <laughs> so, should we turn off the movie? Yeah. But then what? Okay, we turned off the bad movie, but now what do we do? Just sit forever? Relief? We have to stop watching that bad movie. It was a loser. Okay. That's cleansing of the heart. But when Harinam takes us further, this is the idea, and brings us into the real movie, the drama of Krishna Leela. That drama, everyone can be tuned into. And, and how tuned in are they? What do the gopis say? You know who Brahma is? Brahma is the purest soul, as it's described as Brahma. He's the idea of creator. Kind of well thought out, foreheads. He's the, said that the purest soul, from a religious point of view, the most moral person, 
gets to become a Brahma, kind of like the Mormon idea. Gets his own universe. And what do the gopis say to Brahma? Curse to you. Can you curse such a person? <laughs> Who the hell are you to curse such a person? And you're running with somebody else, you know, somebody else. You, 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 you've given up your husband and running after this guy, this boy in the forest, and you're cursing Brahma? And Brahma's hearing that curse and bowing down. What are these gopis? Why did they curse him? Because he made eyelids that blink. You notice the last time you blinked? They did. What movie were they watching? What drama were they watching? The drama of Krishna Leela. And they this is the this is how the poetry describes it, you see. You can make the point to us. It is so extraordinary compared to the losing venture of our production of the movie of our life. It is so extraordinary that they noticed that their eyes blinked and for that split second they couldn't see the movie. They couldn't see Krishna. They said, Brahma, what kind of creator are you? You made eyes that blink. Bum. What do you know about anything? You're supposed to make beautiful things when you create. You know, you make your art, you, you, you do your drawing. You've done the best you could. We say it's horrible, it's lousy. What you, you're, you don't know how to take advantage of, of, of a real beauty. You made eyes that blink. This is just a course of poetry they're talking about it to help make this point to us. What is that about? What's making Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mad? Falling over while he's chanting. Getting up and falling over again. Reading the Bhagavatam and becoming intoxicated in a swoon and waking up and reading it again and again. Unatodzarasam sabakti sriyam rasam alayam hurho matasikabhuvi bhavuka Bhagavat and it is the old essence of it. Chaitanya Charitamrita tell us the same thing. This is Vishuddha Sattva. This is what cleansing the heart through Namsan Kirtan affords us. We won't get waylaid in material existence with a false spiritual tradition or just a religious idea. Go to heaven, come down, go to heaven, come down, over and over again. Now that we get waylaid just at that cleansing of the mirror of the heart, the chanting affords us that where other disciplines stop and takes us beyond more. So we can enter into the Leela of Krishna. There, this bliss becomes Ladini. That Ananda becomes Ladini. Knowing becomes Samvit. Knowing yourself. A new identity. A real identity in relation to Krishna. You see, this bhakti is so wonderful. It goes so close. To, you know, we talk about that. You know, what does this really have to do with me, Maharaj, Swami, my life today? Think about it. It's going right to the very core of what your life is about. You want to love. You want to have a relationship. Everybody wants to love and be loved. Mm-hmm. Even the worst people, mm-hmm. even the meanest people, have their own circle where they want to be loved and give love. With the whole, with the core of the human experience, Bhakti is addressing that. It's validating it. It's saying, yes, yes, you got it. That's what it's about. Pursue it. Just like this, a little adjustment, slight adjustment. Look at that mirror of your self-awareness. You now see, there's dust, cleanse it off. So when you take that mirror of your self-awareness and you face it to my, in relation to material nature, it becomes dusty. 
when you place it in front of the holy name, Mahaprabhu is saying, it becomes cleansed. And what do you see? You see a prospect of yourself in relation to Krishna, that all the things that you pursued, the pleasure that you pursued, the love that you pursued, the relation, it's all possible in relation to Him. So, this is a big thing, and this is only the first thing, Mahaprabhu is saying, that happens by chanting Krishna Nam. What's the time? Six twenty-five. Oh, I'm sorry, we've gone too long. So, right, we have Arctic then, and some Prashad. Let the chanting go on. Sri Krishna Sankirtan ki jai, Gaurnitananda ki jai, Sri Shikshastakam ki jai, Gopamparā ki jai, Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai. Gaur Parimanande. Gaur Parimanande.